five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We're going to talk about branding and retention today, which is, you know, a little off my usual direct mail spin, but uh, stay tuned, and I think I think we'll have some insights into it. I, I hope so. <clears throat> anyway, but before we go, let's have some fun. Here's a Lego commercial for the holidays. Kids are playing Legos, <clears throat> building stuff in the house. And here comes Katy Perry with the tractor they built. And they're running it, but they have no windshield to see where they're going. Looks like to me. There's an old white guy. And because of that, they run over the kid's sandbox. Iron Man gives him a push or something. I don't know that the plot line is very solid, but now they're giving away toys. But if you've looked up Legos lately, they don't give them away. <laughs> okay, rebuild the world. Lego. Got it? Perry is the first celebrity to be featured in a Logo Christmas campaign. Uh, Perry and her fiancé, Orlando Bloom, are serious Lego enthusiasts who have a Lego room in their house, according to the New York Post. Wow, well then, it makes total sense. Okay, okay. Now, um, this is from uh, William Parker, who's vice president of client strategy at, Lev at L Levin. Levend. Okay. Um, and so he talks about how direct-to-consumer brands start, uh, they start by going direct-to-consumer as a niche and then, and primarily focusing on, on revenue growth and acquisition. And they, those things are easy to measure, short-term growth for growing the brand, but Le Les Bennett and Peter Field pioneered research in the value of a 60-40 spend uh, uh, focused on the idea that 60% that should be sort of emotional and brand building. That, that, uh, that Lego commercial was, was all about brand building. It's a classic example of not trying to acquire customers but trying to show how fun it is to play with Legos though you probably won't get Katy Perry to come to your house okay so um, it's easy many direct marketing to consumer direct consumer brands don't have the budget or interest to spend 60% of their marketing dollars on brand growth, uh, brand growth it's difficult to measure and understand Whereas it's easy to just count the till every night and see how many new orders came in and from how many new customers. Okay, so uh, but what happens is is that you have to you kind of have to you can go after the low hanging fruit for a certain amount of time and there will be no low hanging fruit and in a sense you know you're marketing to a moving parade so. There's new customers for almost everything. There's new customers coming into the market and other customers going out of the market. Um, but, of course, each brand is quite different. Okay, test into larger mass reach media channels. So you should slowly test. 
And what does that mean? How do you do that? And that's a, a webinar in itself. And I have actually done a webinar on, or, or two on attribution and measurement. Um, but the way you ease into it is you can analyze the current buyers. Now that is fraught with danger because if you've been going after the low-hanging fruit and you only know what Facebook tells you about who your customers are, you don't know who the, who the offer was exposed to. Not really. Okay. And so when you profile your customers, you, you know, you can look at geodemographic variables. You can get a profile done probably almost for free. But until you know who's, who saw and rejected your offer, you don't really know what you've been, what you've been really, what you've been getting. You don't know who's really indexed to be a, uh, you know, you don't know really where your hotspots are. You think you do, but if you've been pounding one geodemographic, the the opportunity might be in other places. Okay, uh, you want to what they what what uh, William says is you want to find which types of people over-index in purchasing the product compared to the population at large. So you take population statistics, but again, your advertising probably with Facebook especially, is going to be skewed, not to the total population, which means that if you find a hotspot, until you, until you control who sees your offer, you don't really know who's over-indexed. And uh, I did work with a blood center in Kansas City, and they, they did a profile, and the profile came back that all their blood donors were essentially wealthy, women uh, and or you could even say wealthy white women uh, in terms of the geodemographic profile that's what it basically said and that seemed odd to me because you know blood is blood sort of and you should be able to get a pretty broad cross-section and I asked him well where have you been advertising you know for the blood center uh, and it may have been donations of either money or blood again still should be pretty much across the board. And they said, well, we really like to do uh, women, or we really like to do real estate, <laughs> real estate magazines, because the board of directors then sees the ads and then they know we're doing something. Okay, and that's not an invalid reason to advertise, so the board sees it. But what they've been doing is already skewing their marketing all toward high upscale or upscale women and so it's not a surprise that's where the donations come from so if you're going to compare your buyers to the population at large you need to you need to have an extra piece in there that says well what population have we been marketing to otherwise you're just you know you're just finding self-fulfilling uh or circular data okay um, expand the target not just to those who are likely to purchase a product as done in conversion strategy, but those that share similar traits to people who are. Okay, I mean, it, it sort of makes sense. It's like in theory, theory and practice are the same, but in practice they're different. And this would be a great example of that. Is that as you transition, you need to keep in mind that you've been highly focused often and sometimes unknown to you in one geodemographic because you let Facebook pick who saw your ad. 
and a lot of people haven't seen your ad. So you may want to get out of that first. And uh, it says, and and so William says, yes, even performance brands can find success in TV. Now, I wouldn't say TV is the best place to gather information. You know, I think direct mail is a great place to start because you can you can find definitive answers in terms of your geodemographic mix. One way to do it is with with more or less saturation mail around your stores, but your stores will have a geodemographic skew as well. So it it is a little more tricky than it makes it sound, okay? But the next thing that you want to do is move from logic-based messages over to emotive ones. Logic teaches people to look for short-term price deals, promotions, or features, and fails to drive an irrational love of a brand. And I think that is a really, really good point that William makes. Okay, big brands capitalize on impulsive buying, buying uh, not just a transactional relationship. So William says, find a non-rational reason to love the product. Okay, so Legos basically says imagination. And then they sell the sets that leave almost all imagination out of it. But it doesn't matter. That's the way they're selling it. Uh, so McDonald's chirps that they're loving it. I think that's an old campaign, but okay. Nike says, just do it. Doesn't say our sneakers are better than anybody else's. Um, and the measurement gets a lot more difficult. You know, you, you, again, mail has the advantage that you can test any geodemographic group and do holdout tests. So you can say, well, here's the ones we would have mailed. We could have mailed all of these. Let's mail only 90% and see if what kind of orders we get from the others that we don't mail. And you can thereby understand the causal incremental force of, of the brand and the geodemographics. And you can actually see what's going on in a way that you can't in mass media. Okay, so then um, Jen Kling writes in Adweek, what a, marketers are obsessed with acquisition, but what about retention? And this is always a good thing to think about because acquisition is an expensive business. Um, and we treat we act as if the new customer is better. And, and in some cases it is. I mean, one of the things we found with Cabela's was that uh, people would often buy, do like a test order, a small dollar value order. Same thing was true with Musician's Friend. <clears throat> they might be getting into a hobby. So we could see people that would go from a beginner guitar into much more uh, expensive and a wider range of equipment. We see that with also in the in the hunting and fishing, where they would place like a small order, and then they would like myself. You know, my wife asked me how much is hunting going to cost to get into, and I said, well, I bought this camo outfit for twenty five dollars, and the the license was about twenty five dollars, so I think I'm done. <laughs> thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars later, but you know what? I haven't really bought anything. I haven't really spent any money on hunting really in the last few years. Because I have everything I can think of that I need, and you can only carry so much into the woods. And so we did find that customers would tail off after a while, especially in a, in a, like a hobby or an interest uh, category. Special interest, they would get started, and so new can often be better. On the other hand, when you're, when you're working on like furniture, and uh, the initial order might be $10,000, um, you don't get those every day. You're not going to get them until they get a bigger place or something like that. 
<clears throat> so uh, so it depends a little on on what you're selling. It depends a lot on what you're selling, right? Um, and customers can get the feeling of why am I penalized for having already committed. <clears throat> Another reason that mail is great is that you can often exclude your own customers from some special offers so that they so that they don't see uh, that you're marketing to a new market and you're maybe giving them a better deal. Uh, <clears throat> when we were working with Pet Edge, which sold dog grooming supplies, we found an entire market that was people just wanting to. Well, it was it was not with not fancy dog groomers, not not you know best of show kind of uh, award winning hairstylists for dogs but it was more about just cutting the burrs off the dog for for the springtime when the weather warmed up and uh, that was a huge huge market and they didn't require a lot of really really high-end equipment so we we did a special version of the catalog in order to uh, not alienate our our real customers our longtime customers who were the salon dog groomers and uh, it was possible to do that with mail, and it worked out really, really well, and a very, very big growth idea. Um, so you you have to think about what you're after, but it is possible to tune branding and uh, acquisition and retention to some extent. In catalogs, for example, you can do a lot of branding in slipped into the page structure so land lands end always has been talking about you know where they get their wool from and and how they source their products and how much care goes into their stuff and i really like it i've always liked it it's been great and so uh so you can mix it in with a big enough vehicle and and it, you know we're not limited to 30 second little tv commercials with catalogs we have a lot of real estate and I encourage you to spend some of that on brand building. The other thing is, is that you can you can optimize. You can look at by looking at like five years of P and Ls, splitting off the acquisition budget from the from the retention budget. How much you know? If you're a mail order company, it, it, it's it's easy because you can just take the circulation of the customer file to the uh, to the prospect names. But you can you can actually tune that. You can look at what you're spending in acquisition. You can look at what you're spending in retention, and you can see that if the retention uh, percentage increases, that you that and you don't lose customers as quickly, that you can end up growing faster. But there is a point of diminishing returns. Uh, when I work with Lovesack, the president that was there when I came said, I think we can sell more products to existing customers and we don't have to find new customers. And that strategy worked extremely poorly because it, it, it got them away from their core product. Okay. And they didn't really have a big enough customer base to really know what was, what was going on about a particular, even their particular offers. And so when we switched to a strategy of driving traffic to their existing stores, then growth took off. And uh, and so, you know, it, none of this is obvious. I think that was my, what my, my mission was today. But the point is <coughs> that you should be testing both. You should be doing both. You should be doing, you should be embedding some brand and value and emotion into your marketing and you should also be making sure your customers as far as possible 
are uh, are happy. Now, that said, I've I've taken I've taken clients off of unlimited product guarantees. You know, people can take advantage of those, and it isn't always it isn't fair to your existing customers. So, um, prioritize customer value and the value of customers. This this article had the ring of something that was written by AI. Um, with happy, loyal customers comes positive word of mouth and recommendations leading to the acquisition of new customers. Retention is performance. Okay. And one of the things that happened with LoveSack, when we mailed the customers um, more often and we did some holdout testing, one of the things we found and matchback is that we, for every for every repeat order we got from the customers, because it's very, very, very expensive and long-lasting furniture, um, we found we found two orders from neighbors next door or really close by. And so that gives you a, another clue. Anyway, a lot to think about. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart.